I'm Hillary. And I'm Sandra. Coming up on the Quick and the Dirty podcast, we're going to have a conversation with a disruption coach. I know what you're thinking. What the heck is a disruption coach? Well, we're going to find out. Let's just say this. It's all about sitting in your uncomfortableness. We're talking about making changes and living through the uncomfortable moments that follow. The Quick and the Dirty Podcast with Hillary Welch and Sandra Plagakis. How is your relationship with your neighbors, Hillary? Oh, well, one side is amazing and the other side, they won't even wave. They're like weirdly very, very private. Oh, that's weird. What would you do if you got a, a letter from your neighbor telling you that you and your guy were having sex too loudly? I would celebrate <laughs> Because <laughs> there's, I don't know if everybody has seen this letter going around uh, right now. Uh, it's gone viral of uh, someone who sent a letter to their neighbor basically complaining because they're having way too good sex and too loud sex. Well, it's actually a really funny letter from Australia. And basically, a neighbor left it for their new neighbor to let them know that their walls are paper thin yes. and that uh, when they're doing it, everybody can hear and that they're traumatizing children in the building. <laughs> I love that. Please, please, please close all your windows when you have sex because it is not sexy at all. <laughs> That's your opinion. I know, right? And I, I hear this. Okay, well, I read the letter and I did have a good laugh. But let me ask you, Hillary, what did you think about it? I feel like the letter went a little too far. Like at one point, they referenced that there is a neighbor that is a sex addict or recovering from porn addiction. And that by being so loud, they're making it difficult for them to be healthy. I have to call bullshit on that one. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I say, Hillary, that the reason why these people are so upset about uh, loud uh, sex noises coming from next door is because they're not getting laid, right? Isn't that why people get upset about things like that? It's really just about their own misery because they're not getting dick. Sorry. <laughs> they're super jealous that they don't have anybody that they want to scream like an animal with. They're super jealous. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> There are, and you know, there's so many people like that in the world, I've come to realize, who are just like not interested in sex. They think it's disgusting. They don't know how to have good sex. They, um, oh, Jesus Christ, that sounds like my marriage. But anyway. Or they're just so <laughs> uptight that sex is no fun, so they're not even interested. Yeah, they totally are. And the, the whole letter goes on to explain how the walls are, are paper thin, yada, yada, yada. And there's a part of me that, you know, like when you and I would go to uh, the Caribbean in the the winter times we'd hang out at this beautiful resort at sandals and i would hear people having sex all the time from their hotel rooms and don't forget this is hotel sex so it's extra and it made me happy true story but that's what you're there for right you're in an all adult uh, resort you think people aren't going to be fucking but on the other hand if you're in an apartment building you also know that you are going to be close to your neighbors that's part of living there and if you don't like it just move what would you do though if your neighbors kept you up every single night and you heard i mean first of all how long is the sex going on for let's be honest and <laughs> It can only go on for as long as it can go on, okay? So, uh, but what if every night for 20 minutes you heard uh, some loud sex noises coming from your neighbors? Would you care? No, I think you just get used to it. Doesn't it just become the sound of your home? Like, it's it's the thing that puts you to sleep <laughs> at night. <White> noise. <laughs> 
Let me be perfectly honest with you. I've never, ever heard the expression disruption coach before. I don't know if it's a, a, a term that, that is used. Uh, I have no idea, but we're going to find more about it today. We are so excited to welcome disruption coach Kate Gora Freed. Hello. Hi, Kate. Hi. Hi. <laughs> so let's start out with the obvious. What the hell is a disruption coach? <laughs> All right. Well, Disruption Coach is a, and I'll tell you the truth, I I came upon this name when I was on a spin bike one day and it just sort of came to me. It's been probably my whole life in the making. Um, But when you go through coaching school, you kind of, you have to choose a niche and they sort of push you towards, you know, figuring out what you love to do and what you're passionate about. And that's sort of the realm that you coach in. And I sort of, struggled for years. I started out coaching um, sort of the same kind of people as me. So kind of overachieving people in advertising who are are looking for what's next and, and more and that kind of thing. But I always had this sort of nagging, nagging feeling in the back of my head that I was meant to do something more than that, but I was, I was having trouble sort of stepping into it and, and I'll explain why I've always been passionate about, uh, sex and sexuality and talking about it and, you know, being open and all of that kind of stuff, being comfortable in your own skin and your body. And, and, you know, I always felt that that really held people back. And so what it kind of all came together for me was, there's so many things that are put on us that so many shoulds and so many beliefs that we have about how we, we should be living our lives and what we should be doing and how we should look and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And I've always been like, fuck it. I hate that. And (laughs) the word disruption just kept coming up for me kind of all throughout my life. I always thought, I mean, in hindsight now, I always felt that I was, a disruptor. I didn't really feel like I fit anywhere. And, and, you know, when you're younger, you think it's kind of a, a personal flaw. And then as you get older and, and, you know, I was doing the work that I was doing in coaching and I was just like, no, this is actually how people are able to live authentically. It is truly disrupting the narrative and the social norms that have been put on us that we, we have believed, but we haven't questioned maybe. And so in the vein of questioning everything, um, that's kind of where disruption came from. And I thought, yeah, that's, that's, that's me. That's what I want to do. I want to coach people in disruption and whatever that means in their life, but being more authentically themselves. So I, I lean in the area of, of sex and sexuality and intimacy and relationships because I think that is so um, integral to who we are as humans. Um, but it's really disruption kind of across the board. I got to say, I love that you call yourself a disruptor. That's like, (laughs) that's like you, it's like something you want to tattoo on your ass. I'm a disruptor motherfucker. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. And, and I love tattoos. So, you know, it's not out of the, out of the question that that might happen one day. (laughs) So do you find that, I mean, would you would you say that there are two kinds of relationships, those that are disruptors and those that are not? Relationships or humans? Uh, I guess humans would probably be the... Uh, yeah, I, I would say humans then. Let, I would like to add an addendum to my question, Kate. Uh, yes. 
disruption. It's so humans. Yeah. No, you know what? I think disruption is within all of us. I think that we are born disruptors, but we have it sort of conditioned out of us. Um, I think at your very core, your humanness um, is asking questions and being curious. And I think that we're taught not to do that, particularly as women, but I also think it, it applies for men as well. We, we learn sort of a structured way that has been put in place to, to control us and keep us in line. But I think at our, our very heart, we, we have that in us. And it's why, you know, people create the change that they do. And I think the, the series that I'm doing, the interview series um, of Disruptors is all about that. It's about, you know, people who have come to their disruption individually and how, where that came from and you know if they always knew it was there and how it developed and what happened in their life I've always been really curious about you know what makes people who they are I actually I wanted to be a forensic psychiatrist because I watched uh, Silence of the Lambs as a young child as you do um, <laughs> and I was always really fascinated by you know how do people become serial killers, you know, like what happens in a person? Is that always in you, you know? And so it sort of leads into that and that, you know, I've always been curious what, what separates people. And what I found is that we aren't separated. It's in us all, I believe. It's just, we've all had different conditioning and you kind of have to come to it. So that's really what my passion is in coaching is helping people to come to their own disruption and and figure out what a fulfilling life looks like for them. And 99.9% of the time, it's not what we have been conditioned to believe is what we're supposed to be doing. So when your clients get in touch with you, what is usually the inspiration behind that contact? Like, where are they at in their life where they seek out a life coach and even more so a disruption coach? That's a really good question. And there isn't one, um, one way. Typically, people have curiosities. So um, either someone has talked about someone they've worked with or, you know, oh, I heard so-and-so worked with a, a coach. And um, because life coach is such a kind of funny cliche term and people don't necessarily really understand it, it's usually people talking, you know, intimate conversations. And I've worked with someone on this or that. Um, and they're looking for kind of an exploration. And, and typically people don't necessarily come for one thing. Um, you know, maybe they'll, they'll say I'm feeling stuck and I don't really know, um, where to go from here. And that's actually how years ago I came upon my own coach because I was in advertising and I felt kind of stuck and I didn't, I wasn't sure what that meant. It was kind of in all aspects of my life and you go and you start exploring. And that's when I have found that all the other things come out. So you may not go thinking, oh, I want to talk about my sex life or I want to talk about intimacy or I think I have problems with intimacy. You go and you're like, I have these things I want to investigate. And then at the core of it, that stuff all comes out. 
And that's sort of where I, I came to this focus was because I think, you know, at the core, that's how we show up. It's how we feel about ourselves intimately. So, you know, as young children, we learn things and, and ways to identify with our, our own physical body. And I don't think a lot of people were taught how to connect with their own physical body and have intimacy with themselves. And so, of course, we struggle with having intimacy in relationships with other humans because we haven't, you know, figured out how to do it with ourselves. So it typically doesn't, people don't come directly for the thing they ultimately end up being coached on. That makes sense. It does make sense. Um, but so, I mean, the idea of deconstructing every single thing that you know uh, can't be something that is simple because, you yeah. know, Hillary and I have been doing this podcast for almost four years now, and we've talked to, you know, several relationship experts, coaches, therapists, and so on and so forth. And, you know, I have, uh, you know, we've spoken to uh, polyamorous couples and so on and so forth and people who are like, the, the notion that monogamy is a sustainable model, we've had so many people argue very effectively that it's not a sustainable model, that, you know, more and more people are having these open relationships. But I always say, on paper, that's brilliant. It mm -hmm. is brilliant. But how do you deconstruct everything you knew up until that point? Because our society, um, you know, obviously favors monogamy over these open relationships. So you... I, it must be quite a hell of a job to to try to change somebody's thinking, basically. But do, you know, I would question, do we favor monogamy or is that something that we've just been told is the thing? Like, like women should be wear dresses or, you know, like there's so many things it's like, but do we, do we actually well, I think favor Sandra that? I that... means on more of a societal level, like down to our taxes. You get tax breaks for being. Yeah. Huh, that's true. Yes, and don't yeah. forget, too, that when you, you know, when you meet a couple and they're like, oh, we've been together for 30 years, you congratulate them. I feel yeah. bad for them. So I, it's like, oh, shit, you're stuck with this shit every day for 30 years. I'm, I'm joking. But I mean, at the same time, we have this 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 celebration attitude for people who can stick yeah. it out the longest. It's like, good for you. And it's like, oh, I don't, I, I, yeah. I'm, I'm just saying that when people come to you in their relationships, they are obviously at a crossroads and they want change. They want disruption. They want to, to I, they want, I don't know what they want when they, they come to you. What do they want specifically couples? Because I know you do help coach with open relationships and things like that. Mm -hmm. I think people don't necessarily always know what they want. Um, there's usually a basis of if, if a couple wants to work on their relationship, there's a basis of, you know, love and, and respect and, and care and they want to, keep the relationship together, but it's not working for a variety of reasons, which, you know, if I meet a couple that's been together for 30 years, my, I want to know what, what's going on. I want to talk to them. I want to know more. I want to kind of dig in deeper because it, it's not easy. It's like any relationship, right? It's, it's, it's challenging. And I think what, that the open relationship and, and different kinds of relationships, I think the, 
like anything, there's discomfort because it's not, like you said, it's maybe not celebrated or not as recognized or people are, you know, don't understand it or curious about it. It's, it's being in discomfort to get to the other side, which, you know, um, we talked about, you mentioned jealousy before. Jealousy is a difficult emotion like any other emotion. Um, like pe- some people have difficulty being in happiness. So we do things to not feel our emotions, right? We do all kinds of things to not feel them. It's the same kind of thing when you're thinking about other people's judgment. You know, you're living your life thinking like, oh, well, what will people think if we have a relationship like this? I feel like that's one of the biggest um, obstacles to overcome for people is getting past thinking about what other people are going to think about it, what society is going to think about it, and actually coming and being like, we really want to work on this for ourselves. I would say that for individuals as well, and not just in relationships, in everything. We are very caught up in what we think other people may think. But what a waste of time and resources to live your life, you know, based on what other people are going to think about it. You know, like to does, me, but Kate, that. is it everything we do? Uh, really, <laughs> everything we do in terms of the way we live our lives now and social media, everything we do, we put up to public scrutiny oh. because don't we all just live for our fucking likes now? Well, and, and beyond that, we all strive to be accepted, and those li- yeah. likes sure. online are little pieces. It, I, I, I was actually talking about it today. It's like when you give a dog a treat for good behavior. That is our treat, little little nuggets of acceptance. Yeah, but it's a bucket with a hole in it. And you are putting, we're putting stuff, and, and all of the things that we do to avoid discomfort are like putting stuff in our bucket. And what I feel really at the core is living your life authentically and whatever that means to you. So I wouldn't say that I support any type of relationship over another. I think it's the biggest thing is that it is your choice. You are arranging your life the way that it works for you. So that boils down to really getting past or getting away from filling your bucket with other things, which are, you know, like attention, Netflix, drugs, alcohol, you know, food all of the things that we use to not actually really just face our own wants and needs, really. Um, And it's not easy work. It's really not because you're right. We do, we are even as little kids where, you know, you notice little kids looking for um, attention and and positive feedback and all that kind of stuff. It's it's in us. It's it's unlearning a lot of, a lot of things that are uh, really ingrained in us. Um, but I, I look at it as designing a life that feels authentic for you. And that's how you'll live a fulfilling life, it, not for someone else, right? I mean, that's why so many people are struggling so much more even now with social media and everything, because of there's just another way to be looking for outside reinforcement. Yeah, I always say consider the source. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like if somebody hates your face, I always think to myself, do I really give a shit? 
And then if the answer yeah. is no, I move on. <laughs> I, yeah. I always consider always th- no, by the way. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't lose too much sleep over if You know, if I don't respect you, I don't care what you think about me. I, yeah. I, the question is, what do I think about you? That's what you should be worried about. <laughs> well, Let's what do you feel re- about yourself? Like, I think that's the, the basis of every kind of alternative, if you'll call it, like if you want to call it that relationship is, you have to be comfortable with yourself because at the end of the day, that's who you're hanging out with. And you, we aren't really taught how to do that. We're not really taught how to be comfortable in our own company and how to give ourselves, you know, positive reinforcement and how to do the things like there's the whole kind of catchy self care, but we aren't taught as young people and growing up, like these are the ways that you nurture yourself and take care of yourself and your physical body. You know, we do things because, well, you have to stay thin and you have to look pretty and you have to do all of these things so that other people reflect positively on you, but we're not taught, well, what feels good for you? Like when I eat something healthy, I feel good. When I eat a, you know, McDonald's, I feel like shit, you know, and, and, we're, we're just taught, well, McDonald's is really bad, so don't eat it because you'll get fat. Not that it makes you feel like shit, <laughs> right. you know? So it's like <laughs> the way that it kind of all boils down for me is really, really very simple. And that is coaching is, is developing a relationship with yourself and then designing your other relationships around that. And that leads into, you know, your question about jealousy. It's, Jealousy is a totally normal human emotion that never goes away, and it isn't solved by monogamy. I just, first of all, I want to thank you for ruining any sponsorship opportunities we may ever get from McDonald's. That's dead. (laughs) (laughs) Whoops. I'm sorry. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I don't care. Uh, Okay, I want to. I want to talk, and I know Hillary and I really want to talk about jealousy with you because it's a, Mm -hmm. it's a, it's we we've all felt it. We, we've had people be jealous of us. We felt jealousy in other people and it takes, oh, fuck yeah. yeah. Uh, in our friendships, in our work environment, jealousy is something that is, can be consuming if you let it become consuming. Um, so where do we start with this conversation about jealousy? Where, where, why do we feel jealous? God, that's a big question, but go ahead. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, (laughs) Jealousy is, like I said, jealousy is exactly like any other difficult feeling or emotion. So it's something natural. It happened, you know, it's from childhood. Um, it's a, a feeling of, you know, scarcity, uh, not having enough, not being loved enough. Um, it's sort of a, a that, that something is finite and that if someone else is getting it, we're not getting enough. It's very normal. Um, and the, the trick, which is very, very easy to say and and very difficult to do is to learn how to sit in discomfort and recognize that it, it will not kill you. Um, it will move through you, but like anything, if you don't deal with it, it becomes a block. So anything like, for example, um, anger is a secondary emotion to pain, typically. So if you don't deal with what's underneath, it's always going to come out in another way. 
So jealousy is, is something that could indicate something else. So what I say to people is don't, you'll never get past jealousy. It's not something that is ever going to go away or, you know, you'll one day it'll be like aha moment and you won't be jealous anymore. It's always going to be there. You just learn how to process it um, and how to move through it. And there's a, there are a whole bunch of exercises that you can do um, to do with jealousy in relationships and different kinds of relationships. Um, but the, the first thing I would say is investigate within yourself what is causing the jealousy. Where is it coming from? What is the truth behind, you know, is it that, let's say, for example, you're, you're in a relationship, you're in an open relationship and you're feeling jealousy. You sit down and think, what, is, what am I missing? Do I have a belief that if this other person is getting love, I'm not getting, I'll get less. And what is the truth behind that? So, you know, typically if we break it down like that, we can figure out what we need to ask our partner for more of. So if it's attention or time, um, those are all conversations that you can have with your partner um, for things that you need more of. Because typically jealousy is a feeling of that you're not getting something that you need. And it comes up from, you know, different things that have happened in childhood and fears that we have, fears of abandonment, all of that kind of stuff. It's, they're very complex, our, our human emotions. They all stem from something different. Like someone could have trouble with feeling happiness, and that might be confusing to other people, but something may have happened to them in childhood where happiness is associated with something getting taken away. So it's really just figuring out what the core of that feeling is and then figuring out how do I deal with this feeling? How do I ask for what I need and how do I sit in it and move through it? It will pass through you and it will not kill you. You know, I know it sounds like a very simple explanation. It's very difficult. So I've heard people say that uh, kind of similarly to how you explained it, that by breaking things down and figuring out where it stems from, then you can go to your partner and ask for more of what you need. But then part of me thinks like, what a, a shitty way to deal with your own emotions to take those things that you feel insecure about and then make it your partner's responsibility to make you feel better. Yeah, no, sorry. I did not mean it like that. It's, First of all, it's building your own self-worth, your own security, and then it is asking for, so not putting on, one thing we do with our emotions is like putting it on someone else. Well, I need you to do this so that I won't feel this. I didn't mean it like that. That is, our emotions are our own responsibility. So we may need something from our partner, and it may not be something that they can give us, but it may be a healing activity just to tell them what's happening with us. So it's not necessarily getting a solution from your partner. It's more opening up the dialogue of, you know, this is how I'm feeling. I'm struggling with insecurity, et cetera, not looking for them to fix it, but just looking for them to hold space 
for you and to talk about it. It's hard to sort of condense this into, you know, little kind of morsels. It's a very, um, there's a kind of deep foundational work that has to be done. It's not just like you open a relationship and then all of a sudden, you know, it's super easy and everything kind of, it takes a really long time to go through all of the things that come up and new things will come up all the time. Yeah, I, I, I um, yeah. absolutely. I knew a, a woman many years ago. Uh, she um, was dating a guy and they decided to have this crazy big open relationship. And I, maybe crazy isn't the right word. It was crazy to me at the time, though, to be perfectly honest, mm-hmm. because I'd never really experienced or heard anything like that because I didn't I at the time didn't think that was a, a functional model because I thought, how could you go from being monogamous completely, then deciding you're going to have an open relationship and not be jealous as fuck? How do you completely change your thinking from we're going to be exclusive to we're all going to have sex with everybody? And they did. And it became a major problem in their relationship because um, if one person starts texting somebody else and the other person doesn't know about it, it's an international incident because you have to communicate so much more in an open relationship than you have to do in a monogamous one. And not everybody has the tools to uh, communicate that effectively with each other and know what the rules are. There's hurt feelings. She was jealous. And I don't blame her for it. And they eventually had to shut back the relationship down to be monogamous. And it was just like such a a goddamn international incident, all of it. I respect. Think about about marriages, like marriages in general. We don't get a toolkit on how to do marriage, but we're expected to do so. People are like, oh, my God, why are so many marriages ending in divorce? Why are 50 percent of marriages? Because it's the same exact thing. We don't open relationships are the same as monogamous marriages. Nobody gets a a roadmap on how to do it. And we're not doing that well in either scenario. Right. So how many people are struggling in in monogamous marriages and are not happy and all kinds of things are happening? Like, you know, 60 million people are on AshleyMadison.com in the U.S. Most most oh, that's people it? are <laughs> Sorry. yeah. Well, that was the, that was the latest number. But Is that something tells me some maybe multiple accounts for one person. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, but seriously, like so. So there's the indication is that monogamous traditional marriage is not working. We don't get a roadmap on how to do that either. But we are enlightened, intelligent, you know, human beings. So if we gather the tools. And, you know, I I consider myself a lifelong learner. I always want to be learning and getting better and having, you know, because we're, we're so flawed and we're always going to make mistakes and we're always going to have challenges in relationships. But why would you limit yourself because you've been told that this is the way it's supposed to be, you know, because yeah, maybe an open relationship is hard, but so is a monogamous relationship. Relationships are hard. Well, I just figure the more people you involve, the harder it is. Do you know what I mean? And there's nothing to say that uh, we're any better at monogamy or non-monogamy than we are at monogamy. It's really just what works for you. Yeah, Like, I'm pretty sure we'll fuck everything up. (laughs) That's just our nature. We're never going to get anything right. So we may not be happy no matter where we are. Well, I think maybe that is the secret sauce is that giving ourselves permission to be learners forever 
letting go of the fact that we're ever going to get something right or perfect, letting go of the fact that we're going to overcome jealousy, we won't, you know, and giving ourselves human space to make mistakes and to learn and to try to do better and to arm ourselves with the tools to be better. You know, it's, it translates into every relationship. It's not just in, you know, intimate sexual relationships. It's your family members and friends and everything. We don't necessarily learn proper communication tools. So wouldn't it, you know, stand to reason that it would be amazing to just learn how to be better at all kinds of communicating and, and in turn, you know, that will help your intimate relationships. Like it's, I think it's expanding what our expectations are uh, of ourselves and of other people and accepting that, you know, we are going to continually be learning and making mistakes and hopefully we're growing from those. Um, but if it, if opening your relationship and, and, or, or having a different kind of relationship expands your life experience, you know, isn't that amazing? In theory, yes. On paper, on paper, it's all amazing. But I, I ask you this, and I, I understand you, 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 you say you should sit in discomfort. And I fucking hate that, but I get it. I understand that that's the only way you can evolve and grow. <laughs> Sitting in discomfort sucks. It does. But how do it you sucks. not take things personally? Because we all take every little thing personally when it comes to relationships. And, you know, if, if things play out a certain way, we all take, I've taken things so personally before. I know better now at my age. Um, I've read enough books to understand a little bit about human, the human condition and so on. But jealousy and feeling jealous, that is one of the most personal emotions, in my opinion, to feel jealous because it makes you, jealousy is such a byproduct of insecurity, I think. Yes? Yeah. Yeah. And how do you... it's all different kinds of things. It it depends on, you know, what, what your sort of experience has been. But yeah, I mean, I guess you could boil it down to... Um, not feeling entirely secure, which I don't think as humans, we're ever going to reach a point where we have this magic, you know, day where we feel completely secure. I think it's, you really have to let go of the, the illusion of control that you're going to overcome this difficult emotion or this difficult feeling. So if you take something personally, for example, that is something that is an indication of something that you can work on within yourself. No one else, you can't control the behaviors of anyone else. The only thing you can control is the way that you receive them and how you let that affect you and how you move around in the world in that way, right? So it's all really, you could feel jealousy not even being in a relationship. Like you said, you know, people have been jealous of you. You can move around in the world and there's always some someone who's going to have something that you w- want or wish you had. But, you know, you once you do a little bit of investigation in that and, and figure out where that's coming from, you can learn how to deal with that better. You know, not have the same, like you said, as you've gotten older, you deal better with not taking things so personally. So what do you think has changed for you? What's allowed you to have perspective on that? 
Um, you know, honestly, it was a book I read a few years ago, and I'm sure you've everybody's probably heard of it by now. The Four Agreements. Yeah, and oh I, gosh, I, you know, and book. I, I specifically read that book many years ago because of the line of work that Hillary and I are in. We're in media, and we take a lot of shit from a lot of people. Every yeah. social media has given a lot of people permission permission to treat uh, people who are in media poorly. And, uh, you know, over the years, I and then they write things about you. And then when you back in the day, man, I remember the good old days where people would talk shit about you and you'd never hear about it. Those were the good days. (laughs) I don't I I know people talk shit about you. But then when you don't hear about it, you don't give a shit. But now you you see it posted. People blatantly post shitty things about you. And you have to read that and think, you know, shit, I just go to work every day and I do my job. But you hate my guts and you, you hate me enough to shit talk me in a public forum and attach your name to it not everybody does that some and it, you know it can be really unraveling oh, because yeah. you see a message from one person and in your brain you assume like that took you an awful lot of effort to write on social media so there must be other people <laughs> yeah there's a goddamn club hillary thing. there's a fucking group of people who sit around <laughs> shit talking you but not not to get not to get too um too uh specific but uh, three years ago, and anybody who's listening right now who listens to my radio show here in Ottawa knows that for 15 years I had a radio partner, and he was let go. And uh, I, was, I had survivor's guilt, and I had to continue on doing the show without him, and then I was given a new partner who I absolutely love, but it's been three years. And at the very beginning months when we were transitioning and I was getting a new partner and we were, you know, trying to figure each other out and the show sounded like shit and I was unhappy because I didn't like the way the show sounded originally. I was worried about my new partner. I was getting at least, I'm going to say, five to ten messages a day for about three months straight from people telling me, you know, oh, I wish things, you you know, it's not the same. It's not the same. But I specifically remember one message I got, not the only one, but this one was the nastiest message I ever received from a woman who said, I want you to know that I've been a faithful listener for 15 years. I will never listen to your show again because you are nothing without Carter, who was my partner for 15 years. And I remember so mean. it was the nastiest oh thing God. I've ever written, read. And I, I responded, I don't know why. And I remember going, fuck this. And I went into therapy. <laughs> I couldn't take it anymore. It was. But you realize, you know what you did, Sandra? What? You disrupted her life. Well, f- you took her out of her comfortable, normal routine. I guess. And she got all fucked up. Well, she, and the, thing, uh, the important thing about that, the most important thing is that that has nothing to do with you. Well, Whatever yes. Possess that lady to do that has absolutely nothing to do with you. And that's where we get a lot of things wrong is that someone who is going to release her anger on you is trying to get rid of a feeling of discomfort of her own to do with something else. Well, so this is, like, yes, this is what I'm saying. I, that, that book changed my perspective on that yeah. woman. Although, yes, it felt like shit only because it was pummeling me for months. That sentiment was, yeah. was coming at me. You knew already that something was happening. And I think that that's Ooh, where bad. the kind of core is. You knew that something wasn't right in whatever was happening with you guys, right? Like your show, something didn't feel right. Or it, the, the insecurity, I think, comes from the root of it is something maybe that, you're struggling with on your own. 
Oh, totally. And I wish there was one simple answer, but of course there isn't, right? It takes a lot of work. That's why I have a job. That's why therapists have jobs and people writing books and all of that kind of stuff. It takes a lot of unlearning. It takes a lot of disempowering of those difficult feelings. Um, but I guess the four agreements is a great example of, a, of, you know, don't take things personally. One of the big things is like nothing that anyone else does is about you. Yeah. So, you know, my, my perspective on that has changed and sorry, sorry to continue yeah. to talk about our jobs, but now when we get a, an email that's nasty or I get a phone call that's nasty, which still happens, people call up and they, they think that I'm their punch, I'm their punching bag. And yeah. I don't, I don't wake up at 3am to be anybody's fucking punching bag. Yeah. So <laughs> in, in, instead of, instead of like uh, coming at them with anger, my new approach because of that book is are you okay? Is everything okay in your yeah. life? Is how you doing? Yeah. How you doing? Yeah. You sound really mad about something, and I, I yeah. hope you're. I hope you're okay because I yeah. realize that it is something of a cry for help when you're you're that shitty to another person. Well, and jealousy when you is wake no up different. just wanting yeah. to make somebody else miserable. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And jealousy is no different. What are you feel like? What is happening for you when you're feeling jealousy? Something is showing up for you that needs to be dealt with inside yourself. So when we throw shit at someone else, it's because we're trying to get rid of our own discomfort. So if you rage at someone, you're just throwing your anger outside of yourself onto someone else. It doesn't make it better. It's a, it's a sense of power for an instant, but it, it, it doesn't make anything better. You have to look inside yourself, figure it out. And most of the time, so if someone were to come to you with jealousy, um, you touched on something Different kinds of relationships require much more communication. But that said, so do traditional relationships. All relationships require much more communication than we should be giving them. I hate the word should, but we need more communication in general. And most of the time when someone is having a difficult emotion, they just need space to explore it, not a fix. So when you go to someone and say, I'm feeling, you know, I'm feeling jealous, most of the time, it's the, the thing to do is to have them listen and hold space for you and not try to provide a solution because there isn't necessarily going to be a, a solution. Jealousy is something that is, that is real and that's going to move through you, you know? So I think it's letting go of the idea that someone is going to solve something for us or someone is going to make it better. But it's on us. You know, no one makes you feel anything. We have, we have control. We're always in choice. And it's figuring out what we need. And that's a great example. Someone, you know, throwing their shit at you about, about your show has nothing to do with you. And no matter what you did for her, you wouldn't make her happy because whatever is upsetting her is not about you. What you can do is do what you need to do to make your show feel authentic for you so that you're showing up the way that you want to show up so that you're putting out content, and you're doing the job that you want to do. I think when we try to, you know, affect other people and control and all of that kind of stuff is when we go, when we get crazy, right? Yeah. Well, listen, you're talking to a Greek woman. I invented crazy. I, <laughs> when I say to you, I don't like sitting in my discomfort. It's because my, I don't, I can't, I can't. 
Like I no don't, I don't does. even understand how. I, I just, no I, one does. I like to yell, and then I, when I, when I'm done yelling, it's out, and then I'm like, okay, I'm good, and I can go back well, to my Sandra, life. Sandra, that's sitting in your discomfort. So as long as you're not yelling at somebody something hurtful, if you need to yell, that's sitting in your discomfort. Then yell into a pillow or yell you know, into an open room by yourself. No, 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 oh, Kate, I have to yell at somebody. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the dog's for. Well, exactly. Well, Poor pooch. <laughs> I know. Poor dog. Okay, but so we've explored jealousy, and I, I feel like the other component on the other side of jealousy that really affects relationships is honesty. Like, mm-hmm. because not only are you responsible for being honest to your partner, no matter what kind of relationship you have. Being honest with yourself, I feel like, is one of the most difficult things that we can do. And that that puts us into that state of discomfort more often than not. Oh, my gosh, of course. Yeah, we like to move around or we our comfort is on autopilot, which is why we have so many external sources of comfort and validation. And so sitting with ourselves, being honest with ourselves is also very difficult. You know, we're not, we are so much more alike than we are different. And so the the thing that I love about this and what you guys are doing and what I do is that when you talk about uncomfortable things, you give other people permission to talk about them as well. So even you, Sandra, saying, like, I, I want to scream and yell when I'm feeling discomfort. Yeah, of course you do. And that's lots of other people are feeling the same thing. There's no shame in that. You know, it's when you're hurting someone else with your discomfort when there gets to be a problem. So I would say being being honest. Yeah, it's really hard. You know, nothing. I don't think anything worth having the cliche of anything worth having is easy. You know, like it's that's where the growth is. It's where the disruption is where the growth happens and where something turns into something better. You know, whereas if you just stay stuck and hiding and dishonest, there's no growth there. You know, like to me, one of the scariest things would be to wake up one day, you know, on your deathbed or old and be like, I didn't do the things I wanted to do. And I wasn't the person I wanted to be because you know, I wasn't being honest with myself. I wasn't being authentic. I was too afraid of what other people might think, you know? So I think honesty and openness is very scary and very vulnerable, but it really is, you know, one of the only ways that you can truly love and be loved and be seen. Because if you're constantly hiding yourself you know, you're not, you're not going to be seen by other people and you're never going to feel that, you know, love and acceptance and and all that kind of stuff. It is in being vulnerable and finding your, your people, you know, who are able to give you that space. Um, And, and that's where, you know, none of this is easy work and it is, you know, why people kind of move through life on autopilot, because it's hard, but it's the most empowering, beautiful transformation in people when they do face these things, they do face what's uncomfortable and what's not working. 
and the the scariness of how do we change that? You know, how do we do things differently and how do we show up honestly? But yeah, I'll never say there's anything easy or there are any tips. That's why I kind of shy away from the like, you know, 10 ways to improve your life or whatever. There aren't, there aren't 10 secret ways. It's really doing, you know, some difficult work on yourself. And I think like you said, being honest with yourself is the first step because you can't show up honestly in your life until you really take a look at what's happening, you know, personally. You know, I had a, I have a girlfriend and she, um, she, we recently had a discussion about relationships and she said to me that a relationship should be easy. It should be oh. easy and it should be natural and oh. every, everybody. And I, and I just said, I, I disagree. You know, I yeah. don't, I don't, I know, I don't know that everybody wants an easy re- relationship. I were like, like you just said, and that really resonated with me. Where's the growth in that? Oh, and what is easy? What have you, like, has anything that you've ever done in your life that has given you a sense of accomplishment and growth been easy? Never. You know, like, why do we think we're entitled to easiness? I mean, I I just thought of, I just looked over at my dog. I think the only relationship that I have that's easy in my life is with him. (laughs) Because he doesn't talk to me. He just cuddles me and loves me. And what a beautiful, perfect thing. But that's not... We are so complex. And if someone said, oh, my relationship's really easy, my first thing would be like, well, that's a massive red flag. And I would never say that to them because it sounds like judgment. No, I'll say it. <laughs> it's not. And it's not from a place of judgment. It's from a place of curiosity. Oh, I'd love to know what's so easy. Because, yeah, sometimes relationships are magical. And that's why we, we do them. But that's only part of what makes up, you know, the the journey is the easy and the wonderful right but yeah. that's not real life no like I, I always worry about couples that say they never argue because yeah. that to me says nobody in this relationship has an independent in opinion on anything or somebody's like, not getting so their unnatural. needs met yeah or someone's not getting their needs met someone is not asking for what they need someone is just going along with the other person. That's and no it fun. Will come out. It will come out at some point. Um, it may it may come out in different ways. I always think of like disease and sickness as dis-ease. You know, like it things come out in our physical body that and coaching is a lot around that as well, is connecting with your physical body. So, you know, back pain and stuff like that where tears are physical manifestation of pain back pain or of emotion, sorry, back pain or pains in your body and stuff comes out. That's your body's way of, of showing that something is not right. So I think that even if, you know, someone were to say, Oh, we never argue. Everything's great. You go scratch a little bit underneath the surface and, you know, someone is not getting their needs met. Oh, well, that's like, I'm going to, I'm going to, that's, I'm going to let that sit with me for a little while, Kate, because that's a very interesting angle. And it's, it's sort of the way I feel, but you explained it a lot better. <laughs> you really did. Um, I really want to thank you for coming on the podcast today. And for anybody who's listening and wants to learn more, how do they find you? What's your information? Um, I am on Instagram, Kate Gorefried Coaching. Uh, I am on the World Wide Web. 
uh, kategorefried.com, uh, Facebook, you can find me. Um, yeah, thank you so, so much for, for having me on. I love what you guys are doing and, and what a pleasure to just uh, have a Monday morning chat. Thanks so much for joining us, Kate, and go stir some shit up. I Thank feel like you. <laughs> Thank you. You too. Done. Thanks. Take care. This episode is over, but the conversation doesn't have to be. Follow Hillary and Sandra on social. Instagram at Hillary on Air at Sandra Kiss1053. Twitter at Hillary Welch at Sandra Kiss1053. And on Facebook at Quick and Dirty Podcast. Got a question? Email Hillary and Sandra, thequickandthedirty at gmail.com. Don't forget, you can download the podcast each week to your mobile device to listen offline. Find The Quick and the Dirty on FrequencyPodcastNetwork.com, iTunes, or wherever you download your podcasts.